All right. So how many of you have been enjoying our, our walk through the book of John? Yeah. I've enjoyed it. I enjoyed uh, Pastor Doug's sermon last week about Holy Spirit and how he's our helper and that it was to our benefit that Jesus left because then he sent us uh, the Holy Spirit to come and help us and convict us. A lot of us, we don't like to be convicted, but the Holy Spirit convicts us of when we need to do something. He doesn't condemn us. He doesn't make us feel ashamed, but he brings convict us. He brings conviction to lead us in the direction we should, should go. So I enjoyed it, and uh, so that was on chapter uh, John chapter 16, and so today we're going to be continuing going into John chapter 17, and so through uh, chapters 13, 14, 15, and 16, this is all at the uh, Last Supper, and Jesus is addressing his disciples. He washes their, their feet, and then he, he speaks to them about a, a bunch of different things, and then we arrive here on John chapter 17, which is Jesus' last words uh, at this time before they, they go to the garden and, and where Jesus is betrayed and then sent to the cross. So John 17, we're just, I'm going to read it in its entirety. I think it's an amazing uh, portion of Scripture and that we should all just be, uh, we should just listen to it in its entirety. So here we go, starting in John chapter 1. Or chapter 17, verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words that we have spoken about for the last four weeks, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and they have come to know the truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am, pr I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. 
Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am. To see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name and will continue to make it known. That the love which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. I think this is a a powerful portion of scripture, and I'm just going to kind of summarize it for you once again. So in verses 1 through 5, Jesus is lifting up his eyes. He's just addressed the disciples on a few different things. Now he lifts up his eyes to heaven, and he starts talking to God. And in verses 1 through 5, he asks, uh, or he says that he had this glory with the Father before the world And gave it to him when he came to earth. God gave it to him when he came to earth. He wants, oh, he gave it up when he came to earth. He wants the glory back, not just for himself. Jesus is asking, God, glorify me so that you may be glorified. In verses 6 through 19, Jesus uh, transitions now into praying for his disciples, those around the table. And I I can only imagine his eyes are still fixed on heaven, talking to God. And he prays protection over his disciples. He prays continued sanctification for his disciples. He's like, God, continue to make them more like me because they're still knuckleheads. But, (laughs) and I know I am too. But he also notes in there that the disciples, though they are, In the world, they are not of the world. Just like Jesus was not of the world. And pretty soon Jesus was going to leave the world, but the disciples would be staying in the world even though they are not of the world, and people would hate them because they are not of the world. And so Jesus prays protection over them, continues sanctification for them, and then Jesus transitions again and starts praying for me and you. He prays us prays for us to be in unity. Just like he prays for us to be one, just like him and the Father are one. Not partially in unity, like I like you some days, but I don't like you others. No. He wants us to be one like the him and the Father are one. Why? He emphasizes this twice back to back. Which means it's important. When something gets repeated in the Bible, it means it's important. <laughs> Pay attention. He asks this, why? Do you guys remember? 
so that the world may know him, so that the world may know that God sent him. Come on, it's important that we're in unity. And Jesus prayed for this, prayed for you and for me to love each other and to be one as he did. So in this passage of scripture, the terms Jesus used for for pray and ask, which he does several times, is the Greek word erotao. Erotao. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Anyway, it means to ask, beseech, desire, or entreat. To like, to like, yeah, really uh, beseech somebody. To like, intensely request. Um, and so this prayer that Jesus is praying is a prayer of intercession. He's asking. He's beseeching. He's intensely requesting something, not for himself, but but on behalf of others. So on your notes, intercession, it means the act of interceding. It means prayer, petition, or entreaty in favor of another. So it's something that you do for somebody else. And Jesus here in this portion of scripture is beseeching the Father for his disciples, and he's beseeching the Father for me and you, for all those who would believe in the message that the disciples would speak. When I was younger, I uh, was playing baseball, and I honestly was probably the number one priority in my life. I would say that God was the number one priority in my life, but that would be a lie. Um, so uh, I remember uh, I was around 14 or 15, and one of the things I took pride in, I was pretty good, but one of the things I took pride in is a couple things is I worked really hard. I practiced really hard. I did whatever the coach said, um, and what I lacked in talent I made up for in effort. And another thing that I took pride in is that I rarely st- struck out, like, I always had the approach that even if the ball was close, I was going to swing um, and make contact. I was going to make, you know, it, it was a, a sense of pride and just not striking out. And being I was a pitcher, I had a pretty good sense of what the strike zone was. Uh, and that could fluctuate on any given day because the umpire could be having a good day, a bad day, whatever. Um, and so I had a good sense of where the strike zone was, so I knew what was close and needed to be, and I needed to swing at, and what wasn't, and I couldn't leave alone. So that that helped me in in this this ambition of not not striking out. Well, I remember on one particular day, I in this at bat, I had two strikes on me, and so I go into like protect mode. Okay, swing at anything that's close, and don't strike out. Well, I remember this pitch coming in, and I tried to become like, I don't know, if you ever watch cartoons, a cartoon character that somehow can bend the laws of physics and bend his body in ways that, that isn't actually possible. I, I tried doing that and getting out of the way of this pitch, and I was able to do so. I was like, Whew, that was close. I didn't get, didn't get hit. But then something totally unexpected happened <laughs> right after that. I heard the words, strike three. I'm sitting there, I'm standing there, and I'm just dumbfounded. I was just like, and I look back at the umpire like, what did you just say? <laughs> and then I did something incredibly foolish. As I started walking away, I took my bat and I drew a line in the dirt. <laughs> 
of where I thought the pitch was. Like, telling the umpire, you're wrong, this is where it was, that was a ball. Well, the umpire did not like that. <laughs> he ripped off his mask and he yelled at me, come back here and draw that again. And I was just about to turn and who knows what I would have said. <laughs> when I heard my coach yell from his coaching spot down by third base, Jimmy! And I turned and looked at him and he just pointed, get in the dugout. I was like, okay. So I walked into the dugout and my coach began to walk back down uh, towards the umpire and I could hear him saying, hey, I don't think he meant what, he, I don't think he meant it, how you took it, you know, blah, blah, it's okay, he won't do it again, I'll talk to him, blah, 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 you know, trying to plead my case to the umpire. I'm sitting in the dugout, I'm like, okay, I know what I meant to do by that. My coach knows I meant to do that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the umpire knows I meant to do that as well. But yet my coach is pleading my case for me. If I would have pled my case, I would have been thrown out of the game in a heart because I would have said more snarky, stupid things. But my coach was pleading my case for me, and I got to stay in the game and participate in the rest of the game. And so as my coach walked back towards his uh, coaching spot, he made a quick little stop by the dugout. He looked straight in the dugout right at me. He's like, don't ever do that again. Okay, coach. And I've, I'll be honest, I've done a lot of other stupid things on baseball fields, sports fields, and from that time on, but I've never drawn a line in the dirt ever again. <laughs> but it was encouraging for me to watch my coach, even though knowing that, yeah, I both know that, yeah, I messed up. It was encouraging to see him basically uh, petition the umpire, hey, have mercy on him. <laughs> Let him continue to play. It was encouraging for me to see him do that. And as I read through this portion of uh, scripture, the very first words says, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come. I think Jesus does this for a reason. I think he specifically took this time to make it very apparent to his disciples that he was going to be praying for them. He lifted his eyes up to heaven, and he's now having a conversation with God. I believe that Jesus prayed for his disciples on other occasions. And, you know, it says in the, uh, I can't remember exactly where, but that Jesus got up er very early in the morning while it was still dark to go and pray. And I believe in some of those times Jesus was praying for his disciples in, this, in those moments. But in this moment, he wanted to make it known to them that he was praying for them. He wanted them to hear it. And I think, and, and as he was doing that, um, I think it was encouraging for them. But he was, all, he, at the beginning of it, he also reiterates that, and he, throughout the whole thing, hey, I existed before the world began. Like, and he, if you read through it, he keeps reiterating, like, I, I am God. I'm speaking to you, Father, but I have uh, this position. And so if there was any doubt in the disciples' mind of who he actually was, he's like, no, I am who I say I am. I'm petitioning the Father for you. Man, that would be so encouraging for me, being there as a disciple, sitting there, thinking, wow, the God of the heavens and the earth, who existed before everything, 
is asking God on our behalf for help, for mercy, for courage, for strength. That would be encouraging for me. And so for myself, I'm thinking, it's encouraging to know that Jesus interceded for me, and he continues to intercede for us. In Romans, it says that Jesus is at the right hand of God, still interceding for us. That's a cool thing to think about. Imagine that right now. Jesus sitting at the right hand of God. Hey, God, have, have mercy on them. Hey, God, give them strength in this time. They're struggling. Help them. As Jesus did, we should also do. We should also be intercessors. And we all can. And I think just as important as as important it is of interceding for somebody, I think it's just as important to let them know that you are. Let them know that you're praying for them. It's encouraging. It's faith-building. Pastor Doug and Lois, this morning, as I was getting up, they both texted me and said, hey, praying for you. Like, it's, it's going to be a great day. And that was encouraging for me to know that my pastors were praying for me, that God would speak through me, that we would all receive from him today. So let people know that you're praying for them. And likewise, if you have an opportunity to pray for somebody in the moment, do so. It's encouraging not only to know that they are praying for you, it's encouraging to hear the words that are being prayed over you. I believe it was extremely encouraging for the disciples to hear the words that were being prayed over them. Oh, God, he's praying that we be kept from the evil one. Yes, I received that. Like, he's praying for us. So take the time to pray, pray for people. And let your schedule be interrupted. Because I know that sometimes we'll say, hey, I'll, I'll be praying for you. Half the time we forget. One. Two, that person needs to hear those words that you're praying. So as Jesus did, we should also do. We should be interceders, intercession and prayers. Prayers. As we do it in City Kids, prayer prayerization. We should intercede for people. So there's a few key aspects we should pray for, I believe. First on your notes is intercede for courage and strength, as Jesus did. And I've got some scripture references uh, for you there. Um, I'll read Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. Paul is speaking to the church in Ephesus. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints that is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I like how Paul does this here in this letter to the church of Ephesus. He doesn't just say, write a little scribble, hey, I'm praying for you. 
he lays out, he writes it out what exactly he's praying for them for. I believe that encouraged the people of that church. Secondly, intercede for sanctification and unity. Jesus prayed this. He prayed that, uh, you know, that the disciples be sanctified. And he prayed for us, again, as I mentioned, for us to be unified so that the world may know that the Father sent him. And then thirdly, intercede for grace and mercy. Matthew 5:44 But I say to you love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus is speaking this. What do you think he wants you to pray for your enemies? Grace and mercy. Grace is that which is given to you that you don't deserve. Mercy is that which is not given to you which you do deserve. Pray for your enemies. God, forgive them. Just as Jesus did on the cross, Luke 23, 34 says, And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. As he's hanging on the cross, dying, being yelled at by people who are cursing him, he says, forgive them. You know, Stephen actually mentions these words too later on in the book of Acts as he's being stoned. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I think, I know God loves listening to his kids. And as a parent, I know there's other parents out here, we get asked a million questions a day and most of them are on the selfish side, right? Can I have, I want, I need, give me, now. (laughs) But occasionally, my girls especially, they're, they're cute. In the evening, they have to have certain stuffy animals that they sleep with or they can't sleep. So I'll hear, <laughs> I've heard a couple of times, one of them, Dad, I really need this stuffy or I can't sleep. You'll be fine, get over it. You can sleep. A few moments later, <laughs> this touches my heart. But a few moments later, the other daughter will come out cool to see the innocence sometimes the kids but the other daughter will come out and ask dad can she have that stuff please she needs it to sleep okay she can have it God's heart is moved when his kids ask, especially when they're asking on behalf of somebody else. Because it's not out of selfishness. It's out of a desire for somebody else to have something that they need. And God loves giving to his kids the things that they need. 
And I know he's, he loves it. I love it when I hear my little girl's words, Dad, can she please have it? She, <laughs> she really needs it. There's a remarkable story in uh, Genesis where God is talking to Abraham and he tells Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to destroy the city of Sodom. It's a wicked place and it needs to be destroyed. And Abraham's nephew Lot lived in that city. So Abraham starts talking to God. He's like, God, you don't want to do this. Would you even destroy this city if there was 50 righteous people? God says, I encourage you to read it. It's Genesis 18. But God says, no, if there's 50 righteous people, I won't destroy the city. Which to Abraham, Abraham then responds, God, if there's 40 righteous people in the city, would you destroy it? No, if there is 40 righteous, I won't destroy it. God, if there is 30 righteous people, no, I won't. He works God all the way down to 10. God, if there is just 10 in the city who are righteous and loved you, would you destroy it? No, Abraham, I won't. Because you have petitioned me for that. Ultimately, God does destroy Sodom, which means, what, there wasn't even 10 righteous people in that city. But to hear Abraham intercede for Sodom and to hear God's response to Abraham's intercession for that city is remarkable. A lot of times we can feel like we we throw a purse to heaven and God's not listening. But he does. He listens. He responds. Especially when we're asking for somebody else. So I believe it's very important that we pray for others. That we intercede for others on their behalf. God is listening. He wants to grant your request on their behalf. He loves listening to his kids. And each one of you here can be an intercessor. It's not a special position. There's not a special way to pray. You don't have to use certain words. It doesn't have to be, well, for it to be a proper intercessory prayer, it has to be five to ten minutes. I have to use these certain terms. No. It's just you humbly coming before God saying, Dad, can you please give her that stuffy? Jesus was an intercessor, is an intercessor for you. He prays on your behalf right now. He wants us to do the same for others. So we're going to put this into practice this morning. We have a mission team going to Uganda. They actually leave tonight. And they're going to be gone for two weeks. So I'm going to ask the team, if you're here and you're going to Uganda, I want you to come up front. We're going to pray for you. We're going to intercede for you. That God would just move in an amazing way while you're there. So if you're on that team, please come up. And I've asked Pastor Cameron and and, uh, Ms. Gebhardt to come up and pray over the team here. 
But before we do, I want to ask Mindy just to give us a couple little updates about what is going to be happening and what is taking place. Hello, everyone. Yeah, um, I forgot to say last service, there's 11 of us going. So um, praise God. Um, yes. <clears throat> I told last service, and I want to tell you as well, that each of us had to raise or fundraise $3,800 to go um, because it's expensive to get there. And all of us are 100% funded because of wonderful, amazing church family like you. So thank you. Um, I was going through my budget and I still can't remember the commercial, but a couple years, maybe like 10 years ago, there was a commercial that said um, a memory that cost $200. And then there was another memory that cost like $500. And then it came to the last part and it said that the total amount was priceless. You guys remember that commercial? Can't remember what it was for, but I just remember, what was it? MasterCard, okay. Well, anyways, the MasterCard commercial. So I was going through the budget um, for Uganda, and we're all $3,800 to go. Um, the church family raised over $15,000, I know, um, to dig five water wells. That's amazing. Uh, we also raised money and donations came in to build a school, a new bathroom facility. Yeah. Um, actually, I should say a never exist, like this is brand new. There were over 300 kids in this particular school and they were using the woods as a restroom. They had no facility. So thank you guys, you did that. Um, the, the story of the MasterCard thing is all this totaling, everything that we fundraised was close to $40,000. Makes me emotional. Wow, $40,000. Because of people, generosity, your generosity, and your love. So thank you. But I want to talk about the priceless part real quick. Um, the priceless part are the amazing lives that us as a team and you as a church body have touched because of this. So thank you. That part is priceless. The souls that are going to be saved, that's priceless. Yeah. Um, the healings that are going to be taking place is priceless. So thank you so much, church family, um, for taking part, um, praying and interceding with us um, for these priceless moments. We get to physically get to be there, but you guys are spiritually there with us um, because the Holy Spirit is not only here in Grace Harbor, but it's in between and also to Uganda. So God bless you guys. All right, so we're going to pray over them. Pastor Cameron will lead off. Why don't everybody stand this morning and go ahead and stretch your hands out to this awesome team. Father, right now, we just intercede on their behalf. Lord, we thank you for courage. Thank you for strength. Thank you for grace. The Bible says that my grace is sufficient for you, Lord. I, I ask that you would protect them, keep them strong, keep them healthy. And the Bible says, but when we are weak, then we are strong. And so, Lord, I thank you that you, their, their strength is going to be found in you. Lord, not only are they going, but they're being sent, Lord, to accomplish your purposes. If Jesus be lifted up, he will draw all men unto himself. Jesus, you were lifted up and you will be lifted up in Uganda through this awesome team. Thank you for your hand of protection on them, Lord. 
Father, I thank you for the spiritual lives that will be born, for your kingdom coming to Uganda and your will being done in Uganda through these people who have given their time. And Father, thank you for all those who made provisions seen for this trip. God, everyone that gave even a dollar toward this trip, I pray that your anointing would fall on every one of them and that as this team goes, we would all remember to intercede, Father, for them because you told us to go into all the world and make disciples. And though we don't go physically like the team goes, Father, our prayers make much power available, mighty in its working. So, Father, I pray that you would, by your anointing, remind your children to intercede for this Uganda trip during this week that they're away. Thank you, Lord, for Mindy's heart and for her desire to see your mission accomplished. And, God, I pray that the Uganda people would be so well-loved that you would be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on. God is going to be... He is going to do an amazing work, and I'm excited to, to hear the report that they bring back in a few weeks. I encourage you, as we have prayed, to continue to intercede for them while they are there, um, knowing that God will be hearing, listening, and moving on their behalf. Amen? Amen. We're going to finish. We're going to worship just a little bit as we close, so let's do that.